Uh, we're talking about homelessness, not only in Chicago, but all over the country. You know, and when 46th Ward Alderman James Kappelman is in the studio, the questions are usually politically related. This is not about politics. But before we talk about homelessness and why you are the man to talk to about this, even before you were an alderman, actually. Yes. Uh, I have to ask you about mayonnaise on hot dogs. <laughs> so you did a post Back when Facebook was all new, I thought, I don't understand what this is exactly. And, you know, so I posted something saying, should I have chicken noodle soup today or mushroom barley or whatever the two soups were for lunch? And people had strong opinions. You just had a similar experience. Uh, Yes, I posted on Facebook that you were putting (laughs) mayonnaise on hot dogs. I'm not even sure I've heard of that. Uh, our staff, we were having Chicago Day, so we, we were going to bring something to the office that's related to a Chicago food. So someone brought a hot dog, and that and makes I, sense. And but not with mayonnaise. Well, I requested mayonnaise, uh, and no wonder why you're not running again. <laughs> yes, we even kind of joked about it because I would not have posted that had I been uh, running again for election, because I knew it's so controversial. And I Are you even, serious? I you, e- if you were running for re-election, you would not have posted, I am putting mayonnaise on my hot dog. I, I would not have, because I know people have strong feelings. I had one person what? post, uh, he's, uh, one person said, what a racist pig he is. Oh, come on. For, for using mayonnaise. One said, I don't we, even understand. Can we have What's an alderman co- that's not creepy and deranged now? <laughs> what? <laughs> they have strong feelings. Oh, my gosh. Is that why you're not running again? <laughs> because not because of mayonnaise, but because it's like I who would want to be alderman? You know, you know it's a tough it's a no-win job in some ways, isn't it? Well, we, we don't do it to win anything. We do it because we believe in public service. Oh, nobody believes that. <laughs> so, so I know you, and I know that's true. Uh, and I think that's uh, – let me rephrase that. I know that is true for many other public officials, including Chicago aldermen. Uh, I've seen – when I had the uh, pet show that was on, I think then 6.30 to 7.30 or something in the morning – I would, you know, drive home and you know where I live and I'd go down Belmont. We're not naming an alderman, but we might as well here because of the street I just said. And uh, I saw him sweeping many times. Yes. Sweeping the street, helping clean the street along with the people whose job it is to clean the street. Yes. I I know you have been out there uh, talking with and making a difference for people who happen to be homeless. And I know other aldermen go way above and beyond doing all sorts of things for people. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm there a was an individual in once, I, I think you told the story with Paul, I forget his last name on television. He's some old guy who's still on television. <laughs> and and you told the story of, of helping someone who actually might have committed suicide and called you not called calling some sort of helpline but calling the local alderman called me at uh, around 11 o'clock at night uh threatening suicide and what did you do i i stayed with him longer i talked about if he had a plan he did have a plan in place and to kill himself a plan to kill himself yeah so it's not that someone uh, contemplate suicide is they have a plan to carry that out, and so and he did. 
So I did call 911 to uh, drop by. Um, he was very angry, um, and that's okay. I've had people very. I've was as he a angry social worker. You, yeah, as a social worker, I've done that before, and and, and they're angry. Why? Well, well, back up a step. Was he angry at you, or just angry at the world, or something else that happened in his life? Well, he was angry at the world, but he projected that anger on me, and that's okay. He he's still alive. So, uh, wow. and that was the point. And but later he called- on, he got help. And he called the right alderman in a way because you are a clinical social worker. That's you've written books, et cetera. And you know we've got lots of fifty aldermen over the years, not just currently, who have had expertise in various areas. And your expertise, in part, is uh, dealing with people that are in trouble, including people that are homeless. So I want to talk about that. Why are people homeless in the first place? There's a multitude of reasons why we are why we see homelessness, and certainly the lack of affordable housing is a big piece of it. But we have people falling through the cracks in the system. So uh, f- families um, experiencing domestic violence. We have untreated mental illness. We have untreated addictions. We have people who just simply lost a job. Um, a lot of it too is people not feeling as connected with their families as as they used to be. So back in the '60s. We did not see this extent of homelessness, but we saw a greater connection to families in the 60s. Now we do not. So what you're saying is that, yes, people are out there sometimes because of alcohol or drugs, but not always. No, not at all. No, that's that's a false perception. What we see out in the in the uh, in the parks and along the viaducts, we do see a lot of people who have been uh, traumatized, and a lot of them have untreated mental illness. Uh, and because of the untreated mental illness, they have very poor insight, so they make very poor decisions. Hmm. All right, so they end up out there, they are homeless, and in some way Chicago has responded better than some other cities. I want to circle back to that. Uh, Chicago, even before the pandemic, didn't have and has never had, to my knowledge, quite the problem as some other major cities across the country. During the pandemic, it got worse everywhere. What was it about the pandemic that increased the homelessness problem in America? I think the coping um, was a big part of it. People were not coping well, and there was a rise in domestic violence. People were together in, in closed surroundings. and You said domestic violence the, the first time around as well when I asked for explanations of homelessness, and that's not what people would think about. But uh, I've read anyway, it's often uh, among the most common reasons why people find themselves in that situation. Explain the connection between domestic violence and then landing outdoors without a home. Well, I can... Think back on a situation uh, one block away from my home. There were 4911 calls made in the span of six months to one particular address. And the uh, person calling 911 is because of domestic violence. She was undocumented. She had three kids. She had no source of income. So she's completely reliant on a man who is supporting her. So... Uh, moving to another place was just not an option. And, and telling her she just needs to leave uh, the, her husband was not going to work either. We need to come up with a much better solution that, where she feels support and where her children also feel support. The homeless situation, as I said, during the pandemic became critical in so many other cities. 
uh, if you travel at all. Portland, were you just in Portland? I was just in Portland. Did you see what I've been told? And I've seen pictures of the encampments that are in several different places around the city. In Portland and... Oregon, by and the way, Eugene, not Portland, Maine. Portland, Oregon, Eugene, and Seattle is yes. really, really bad. San Francisco, Denver, all these other cities. How has Chicago escaped all of this? And even better, better is the right word, proactively have done some things to diminish the problem we do have here. I'm not suggesting we don't have a problem. I'm saying we're doing better than many others. We're going to learn why when we come back. Alderman James Kappelman is here on WGN. Alderman James Kappelman is here talking about homelessness in Chicago. So, yeah, the pandemic hits and Chicago, as reported on Channel 9, which actually prompted this conversation, Mike Rowe, who is a reporter there, an amazing storyteller. I think he's won more. I think he's won 187 Emmy Awards or something. I mean, really, I mean, he's he's an award-winning, multiple, multiple, multiple award-winning reporter. Chicago was proactive, actually, and said, we are going to do something about ensuring the uh, health of those people that are homeless so they don't get COVID, if we can possibly help, and we are going to get them off the streets. And you kind of worked behind the scenes. Yes. Um, we learned a lot from COVID. And one of the central things that we learned was before we'd operated under this false belief that the more people involved in assisting someone, um, the quicker they got into permanent housing with wraparound services, the exact opposite is true. What do you mean? Um, if you have five, six, seven different organi- organizations and uh, working with one person uh, or uh, a person's uh, uh, the family, too much red tape. Then it it overwhelms a person and nothing happens. And part of the issue is there is an extreme lack of trust, and a lot of these mm. people have PTSD, and so the overwhelming uh, task is to develop trust. And you can develop trust much better with a very, very small group of people. And this small group of people, what we learned is when we place these vulnerable populations in hotels, when a small group of people gave them food and addressed their basic needs, it it enabled them to develop that trust. And out of that trust, they were able to get them into permanent housing with wraparound services. I mean, that's what we learned from COVID, and that's what we're trying to replicate now. That happened toward the beginning of the pandemic. So explain a little bit further. So uh, to my understanding, what Chicago did, and then other cities in some cases followed suit, is find housing at hotels at first for those people that are homeless and incidentally along the way offering, of course, free vaccinations, supporting their health in general, their mental health as well as their physical health, and providing those services, Allison Arwady, Dr. Arwady, and others for the city. And other cities didn't even think about doing this. No. And uh, so, but we were forced, to, because of our limited resources, we were forced to act in a manner that uh, that had us uh, looking at being more results-oriented, and this did it. You've worked with homeless people, I, but first of all, let me address some of the text questions. Uh, do you think, and uh, I love this question because it makes perfect sense, do you think Chicago has always done a little better with homelessness because we happen to have January, February in Chicago. Yeah, I mean, you don't want to be homeless in three feet of snow, you know. 
Absolutely. Uh, I think that's, that's probably plays a, a large role into it. Uh, but the other uh, piece to it is that uh, affordable housing piece. Now, every city is struggling with affordable housing, but the city of Chicago, our rents overall during this pandemic went up 9%. Other cities, especially on the sun, um, uh, Oh, let's say Sunbelt, um, uh, Sun like Austin, yeah. uh, their rents went up 40%. Yes. So yeah. uh, high rents also played a big uh, part of this. In other cities. Yes. M- maybe more than Chicago did. So we provided those services for people, but you've had interesting experiences, I know, personally, one-on-one, trying to get people off the street where you say, okay, I can provide a place for you to live. And oftentimes it's refused. Why? Is it just trust? I think a large part of it is trust. A, a large part of it is some of the people I've spoken to have um, have pretty serious drug alcohol dependence, and um, they are afraid of of having to give uh, up that drug use and or alcohol use, which is not true. But, but they don't trust that. And some of them have severe PTSD, um, and so you, they're you afraid. You once told me that even when you provide apartments for people that are homeless, they keep the door open sometimes. Yes. And they keep their windows open even because they're so used to being outside. And having a closed door is frightening for them. Huh. Interesting. Uh, without talking politics or your predictions as to who the next mayor will be, uh, no matter who the next mayor is, Will you, if asked, would you serve, and serve I think is the right word, under whoever the mayor is, Mayor DeJour, next mayor for the city of Chicago, and work further on this issue that you've been so committed to? I I would be delighted to do that. My only condition is I will not accept any uh, income. Um, <laughs> I'm thinking that would be accepted. <laughs> uh, well, because Why? Why? Because... If you're if you're advising as a professional and this is your expertise, why wouldn't you want to be paid? Well, number one, I, I don't need the income. I mean, we 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 don't live extravagantly, but um, we we live within our means, so we can afford it. But if I get paid, then it takes a job away from someone else who does need the money, who does who does need to pay their rent, and I don't need that right now. This is the kind of guy this is. What do you think the biggest misconception? You were alderman for how many years? Uh, it'll be 12 years in May. So after serving 12 years, and to make it clear, if you didn't hear earlier, you're retiring. Yes. So, so he says happily, and congratulations, <laughs> and you. deserved. What is the biggest misconception people have about people who have that job as alderman? It's interesting. People oftentimes... Um, label me as the czar that I can do anything if if you need something done you just call the alderman and the alderman will will uh, get anything done including they think I have access to the president of the United States I mean it it gets <laughs> pretty wild but that's some of those same people who who expect me to be a czar also get upset with me um if they think I'm acting like a czar so well it's as i said earlier it's kind of a no win job and you are there for all the right reasons and have been there. So uh, on behalf of your constituents, of which I am one of, thank you so very much and for the work you've done on thank the homelessness. Thank you for the work you've done. Well, and, and for the work you've done behind the scenes. So you've been working with Lori Lightfoot for a while on this yes. issue. 
and I want to make that public as well. I've had some great meetings with her, and she she understands the the difficulty. She she's frustrated as as I am. Hmm. All right. So next week on the show, I'm not here, but the week after, Dr. Willie Wilson, who's running for mayor, will be here. Uh, I want to talk to him because maybe he'll give me some free gas tickets or something. And I'm so <laughs> excited. Radio legend Betty Sanders of Bob and Betty Sanders on the 4th of September will be on this radio show. She'll be celebrating her 90th birthday. I worked with Bob and Betty for many years. And, oh, man, I am so excited to have Betty Sanders right here on WGN News is next. Then Karen Conti.